Hey guys, I am Hillary, and I am on the preaching team here at Hope Jersey City. And we are glad to be here with you guys today. Um, we were talking earlier about how grateful we are for technology, for the ability to still meet, um, and even in the midst of a crazy snowstorm as well, right? So um, many of you got this email already this morning, but PSENG is planning an outage at some point between 9 a.m. and 1 p.m. So if it does happen during uh, this service and during the sermon, just hang tight. It's only going to be a 10-minute outage, and then you can look uh, on YouTube for how we return. So um, don't worry. We will come back if it does happen during all of this. So Without further ado, let's dive right into the next uh, series, the next sermon in our series, Cheap Truths, where we're looking through all the different common lies that we believe. Um, we've heard over the last few weeks some of these cliches that we often hear in Christian community, um, these phrases that are offered really just as cheap encouragement. And today we're going to be tackling one of my favorite, most cringeworthy phrases, too blessed to be stressed. And it's unique because it's more of a positive-facing one. And I think with all these other phrases that we've covered so far, God has a plan for you, everything happens for a reason, God will never give you more than you can handle, what we're learning is that there's more to the scripture and more to our Christian faith than these simple cliches offer. And that's really the beauty of God's word. It's nuanced enough to give real, deep, meaningful answers to life's problems. There's a philosopher, his name is Ludwig Wittgenstein, and he once said, the limits of my language mean the limits of my world. And one reason that we're doing this sermon series is to both call out these cliches for the cheap truths that they are, but also to give a better way and to expand our language and our understanding of God's word what it really says, and what it actually looks like to walk out this life with God. If all that we have to tell ourselves and to tell others are these platitudes, then our world is limited. And with everything that we've been dealing with over the last few years, it's important to address just how limited of a phrase, too blessed to be stressed, really is. And how it's just a shallow answer to life's highs and lows. So my goal today is to expand the limits of our world as we talk through stress, struggle, and how our faith informs all of these things. We're going to be looking at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9, so feel free to open up your Bible app right now. Feel free to um, look at the screen it's going to be on there, or even your printed Bible. So here's Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, 
and the God of peace will be with you. That's the reading of God's word. Okay, so obviously, too blessed to be stressed is a pretty funny phrase. And it's really sticky because of all the rhyming, right? But there are a whole host of problems with this cheap Christian half-truth. And I say half-truth because I think that the root comes from a misunderstood uh, theology, a misunderstood theology and scripture really just taken out of context, just like the rest of these cheap truths have been. And during this series, we've been asking ourselves, what do these phrases actually mean? Like when I say too too blessed to be stressed, what am I really saying? And is it really true? And this phrase, too blessed to be stressed, is so interesting because it can be used in a variety of different ways, all with slightly different meanings, but all really problematic. So we're going to camp out for a while, actually, on the problems of this phrase, and then we're going to return back to the Philippians text um, in a bit so that we can see that as Christians, we're offered a better way, another way. So hang in with me. Let's look at the three problems with this phrase, and then we'll head back to Philippians. So the first problem with this phrase is that it completely ignores mental health, and it minimizes the human experience. Saying too blessed to be stressed is dismissive of the stressors of life. People say it as if Christians, as if to be a Christian means to never struggle with anything, to not be susceptible to things like anxiety or depression, which is entirely untrue. And most often, people use it about themselves as a form of denial. It becomes a phrase to push down anxiety and stress in life. It's as if when we say that phrase, what we're really saying is, God's done so much in my life, I should just be happy. Plus, things could be worse, I guess. But that's shame language. It builds up unhealthy habits of delusional positivity. It ignores the reality of our situations and the world around us, and it makes ourselves and others feel bad about noticing the hard things in our lives and talking about it. The truth is that there's a lot of really hard things that we deal with in our lives, and we've experienced so many layers and layers and layers of stress in the last few years alone. To deny this stress is unhealthy because it minimizes the human experience both our own experience and the experience of others. It's kind of to say that what we're going through or what others are experiencing isn't valid or that we shouldn't feel that way. And again, that's shame language. And when we do that in a cavalier way, by rank ordering our struggles within ourselves or in comparison to other people, calling them first world problems, we're shaming ourselves and we're making ourselves feel guilty about feeling bad. Church family, struggle is struggle. It's not a zero-sum game. But not only does this phrase minimize the human experience, it misrepresents the Christian experience as it relates to stress and anxiety. Again, it's as if to say that once we put our faith in, in Christ, poof, all of our problems are supposed to disappear and we'll never be stressed, you know, because we're blessed. But that's not true within the history of the uh, Christian church, and it's not true of our experiences right now. And when we look at the Bible, we see picture after picture after picture of stressful, uneasy situations that, the, that happened to the people of the Bible that were blessed. So we're going to look at a few. 
First, let's look at King David. He was anointed by God to be king, and then for years was chased down by Saul, who was trying to kill him. Can you imagine David sitting there by himself, doing self-talk and saying, I'm just too blessed to be stressed? It's like laughable to think about. There's just no way that he would have said that, and we can't see one ounce of that language in any of the Psalms that he wrote. Then let's consider Mary. She was favored by God and chosen to be the mother of Jesus. But I want us to zoom out for a bit and empathize and remember that she was not yet married and was a virgin who was all of a sudden pregnant by God. I cannot imagine how stressful and lonely and terrifying that must have been for Mary during her pregnancy, knowing that at best, the people in her lives might have believed her, but had some secret doubts, right, behind the scenes. And at worst, I imagine there were probably people who shamed her, yelling at her and Joseph publicly, accusing them of lying about having sex before marriage and what this whole story was. Can you imagine Mary processing with friends or family and somebody responding to her and saying, you're too blessed to be stressed. Just look on the bright side, Mary. And then there's Jesus, who I think we can all agree is the most blessed human in all of history. And he was also not immune to stressful situations and feeling despair. On the night that he was betrayed and he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to God, knowing what he was about to go through. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And we see in Luke 22, 44, that it says about Jesus, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. If Jesus was not immune enough, immune to anguish and stress, and even the desire of wanting his circumstances to be different, then why do we believe that we are too blessed to be stressed? Now the danger is that when we use our faith to push aside stress and anxiety, We ignore mental health problems, and we don't get the help that we need. When we do that, we exchange real, deep, meaningful help from counselors, psychiatrists, and in many cases, medicine, in exchange for these common lies, for these cheap truths that we share with ourselves and others. Brothers and sisters, the same as you are not less of a whole human if you break a bone or if you need surgery, You are not less of a Christian if you need counseling or medicine to help regulate your mental health. It does not mean that you have less faith or blessing if you seek medicine, counseling, or other help for anything within mental health, but especially stress, anxiety, or depression. If you're experiencing any of these things, seek help from these professionals. If you're not sure where to look, reach out to your hope group leader, anybody on staff. We'd love to point you in the right direction. These modern medicines and these skilled professionals, they are God's grace to us. And therefore, we are not too blessed to be stressed by the things we experience in this life. Now, the second problem 
with this phrase, too blessed to be stressed, is that we use it as a free pass to cut off any hardship or struggle or negativity that might threaten what we envision the good life to be. We use it as an excuse to cut the things out that don't serve us. Now, as I prepared for this sermon, I went to the primary resource that all the smartest and best preachers go to for firsthand research, Twitter. And so I perused Twitter a little bit for the use of this phrase, and you guys, it is wild out there, absolutely wild. This phrase is thrown around everywhere. And I saw a lot of uses of too blessed to be stressed promoted as a way to cut negativity out of our lives. One tweet said, you're too blessed to be stressed. Stop focusing on the negatives, only embrace the positives. And it's that unhealthy mindset of only keep things and people in your life that are making you better and pulling you up. Don't let anything hold you back. It's kind of like we Marie Kondo the people in our lives. Get rid of anybody who doesn't bring us joy, right? But we're not too blessed to be stressed by walking in life with people who are not like us and people who are in need of help, people who have nothing to give. The entire Christian faith is centered on the only truly blessed and perfect person coming into this life to live life alongside and redeem a broken people, a people who couldn't give anything in return. Now, if in response to God making us new in Christ alone, we refuse to be a part of living life alongside broken people, well, then we have misunderstood what it means to be blessed and what it means to be made righteous. As Christians, we're called to walk with broken people, sitting with people in their struggles, just like we heard Craig talked about in his sermon on everything happens for a reason. We're meant to sit there. We don't start to love people once they're struggle-free. And that's because we were not rejected and cut off when we were broken and full of struggle. In fact, while we were still sinners and while we were full of struggle, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up and make ourselves blessed before he died. He did it while we were still a mess of a person. So we too are not meant to wait to love people until they can clean themselves up and give us something in return. Therefore, we are not too blessed to be stressed by the things other people experience in their life. And the third problem with too blessed to be stressed is that it's used as this like weird flex to show off how awesome and seemingly perfect our lives are. It's a humble brag. It's often used interchangeably or in relation to the social media tag, hashtag blessed. And that's where, you know, you're showing a picture of some accomplishment and then you attribute it to God, but you're really just trying to show how impressive you are. It's the picture of your amazing vacation with the caption, too blessed to be stressed. Or maybe that new promotion you got with hashtag too blessed to be stressed. And the use of this phrase is especially problematic because it affects our witness to the world and our message of faith. This then is what people come to associate with Christianity. They come to associate that if you follow and serve Jesus, you'll be blessed and you'll have the good life. And, 
that good life may or may not include a really trendy designer outfit with sneakers that cost over $1,000. But it wrongly shows our blessings. And it wrongly shows a relationship of our blessings or lack thereof in life coming from our ability or inability to live stress-free. And when this becomes our witness, it's harmful and it's confusing to non-believers. It makes it seem like Christians are to be happy all of the time and have no problems. And therefore, it shows them that, hey, if you become a Christian, you'll have the good life too. So then it's problematic because when somebody becomes a Christian and they realize that their problems didn't go away overnight, they still have longings that are unfulfilled, and quite frankly, most of their day-to-day life looks exactly the same, it can be really disorienting. And it can lead them to doubt whether or not they are really a, quest- uh, really a Christian, questioning, if I was really blessed, wouldn't that mean that I'm not stressed? And if I am stressed, does that mean I'm not blessed? It's disingenuous, and honestly, it has no part of Christ's heart for people. If you have felt this way, I want to first just say I'm sorry. I'm sorry that Christians have made it seem like we have it all together and that we're not struggling. And I'm sorry for how that's led you to question your faith and doubt the goodness and presence of God in your life. I want you to know that he is steadfast and he is compassionate and he sees your heart and he knows you and he is not scared away by your doubts or your questions. And honestly, church, I kind of get how we got here. I really do. I mean, we see it in our text that it explicitly says, do not be anxious about anything. And we see similar verses in Matthew and Luke telling us, do not worry. And when we read that, it seems like a pretty straightforward command. But the problem is when we take these verses out of context because we miss the beauty and richness that God offers us in his word. Now, what we see in Philippians 4 is that phrase, do not be anxious about anything, but it's not followed by a period. It's followed by a comma, and that changes everything. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And it's so interesting to think more deeply about the fact that Scripture assumes that we will experience stress, but doesn't leave us there. God normalizes stress, but he goes further because he doesn't leave us with a directive to not be anxious. He gives us a roadmap on how to handle stress. And as Christians, we have another better way because God is inviting us to bring our anxieties to him through prayer. And that's what Paul encourages us to do in Philippians 4. He encourages us to, in every situation, present our requests to God through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. And in 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's giving us a better way than living with like a pick, your boot, pick yourself up by your bootstraps positivity and mentality. He's inviting us to bring our entire lives before him because he cares 
for us. He wants our whole selves, our authentic selves, our vulnerable selves. And he is safe. God is safe to be vulnerable with. He wants the snotty-nosed, despair-filled, totally incapable and exhausted confession and request for help. I had to remind myself of this the other week. Felt like there was just so much I had to process in the world, especially this January. There were so many things I was juggling in my life, and quite frankly, I was entirely overwhelmed. I couldn't even figure out what I was feeling, let alone how to deal with it. And that's pretty foreign to me. I'm, I'm usually pretty quick to identify my feelings and then figure out what I need to do. So I had to remind myself of this verse of, of Philippians 4 and other verses about God's heart and his character. In Psalms, it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those crushed in spirit, that he comforts the mourning. And that means that he was close to me and he received me the other week when it was all I could do, praying while crying on the floor, saying, God, thank you for your peace and thank you for your care for me. I feel like I have nothing to give. And I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so sad and I'm tired and I feel like I can't do any of this. Help me. And he received me and he received my prayers and my petitions. Church, the reality is, is that in this life there will, be, there will be good and there will be bad. There will be easy and stressful. There will be joy and mourning. It's the most normal experience in the world to not just experience both ends of the spectrum, but the dozens of emotions in between. And Brene Brown, in her book, Atlas of the Heart, shares, to be human is to know sadness. Owning our own sadness is courageous and a necessary step in finding our way back to ourselves and each other. And I think that's true, not just about owning our sadness, but also our stress and our struggles. It's courageous. And a part of owning it is being able to identify it, to name it, and then as Christians, to bring it before the Lord, casting it on him, because he cares. That's the necessary step in finding our way back to ourselves and each other, and that is because God created us to be in community with him and with others. When we dismiss our struggles with the phrase, too blessed to be stressed, we inadvertently distance ourselves from God and from other people, and we end up isolating ourselves. In reality, it is often through confession and through sharing of struggles with safe people, with safe community, that God ministers his grace to us. It's through bringing those struggles into the light, through tangible help and encouragement from community, that God does what he says he's going to do. Save those who are crushed in spirit. And it is because of Christ alone that we are offered this other way, this better way. And it's what Paul wrote in verse 6 of our text. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, to present our requests to God. It says, in every situation, we're invited to pray the gospel to the one who promises to guard our hearts and minds. I noticed a few years ago that I spent an awful lot of time talking to myself. Hope I'm not alone in that. 
and that most often when I'm talking to myself, I, gave, I was just giving myself biblical advice of things to do better. But there was often even times where I kind of just sh shamed myself into better behavior. Um, a lot of should statements. And I realized that there's a difference between biblical advice and self-help and then the gospel. Self-help advice, even when it's good, aims to convince us that we are strong on our own, that we can save and help ourselves. It implicitly says that we are in no need of Christ's work. But the gospel, the gospel tells us that we are more broken and sinful and in need of help than we believe and than we truly understand. Yet in Christ, we are more loved and more accepted than we ever dared to dream or imagine. And so I did what Paul encourages us to do in verse 9. And over time, I put into practice what I saw in Scripture. And over time, I saw the changes of my heart when, it limited, when I limited telling myself this good advice and even the cliches <laughs> and these half-truths. And instead, I tried reminding myself daily of the truth of the gospel. So as I invite the band back up, I want to re revisit what the philosopher Ludwig Wittgenstein said. The limits of my language mean the limits of my world. Hope family, what if we stopped telling ourselves and others that we are too blessed to be stressed and we expanded our language and our world by encouraging ourselves and others with the gospel? What if we reminded ourselves that we are more broken than we believe Yet in Christ, we are more accepted and loved than we imagine. What if we stopped shaming ourselves and denying our human experience with a list of things that we should do? And what if instead, we preach to ourselves the good news of what Christ has already done? What if we admitted that as Christians, we are indeed blessed and yes, sometimes also stressed? And that's okay. And in light of that, what if we admitted that we are just broken inside, that we need Christ to cleanse every part of us? What if we believed God in what he says, that he wants us to cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us, that he wants us to bring our full selves before him? Hope, Jersey City, I pray that we would be a people marked by an honest, humility before the Lord and before one another, that we can put into practice what we see, the truth of God's word, what we see in it, and that we could get together, grow in our relationship with God and in our relationship with one another. I pray that we can one day say, here I am, stressed, struggling, and in need of Christ's work on the cross, that we could pray, Lord, here are my needs, let your peace transcend all my understanding. Let your peace be with me and let the gospel be more real to me today. So let's respond by singing this next song as a prayer to God, presenting our requests to him in this very moment.